you know that music. Come join in and listen to the only Blade Runner podcast in existence. From in-depth discussions about characters to interviews with actors and filmmakers involved in the process, Shoulder of Orion, the Blade Runner podcast, covers a multitude of topics spanning both Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049. Another world, another time, in the age of wonder. You are listening to The Gathering Songs, The Dark Crystal Discussions. The story runs deeper than you know, and you are part of it. And what are those funny marks? This is all writing. What's writing? Words that stay. When single shines the triple sun. Of your sunder and shall be the two made one. And here's your host, Philip Mitchell. Hello and welcome to the Gathering Songs. This is your Dark Crystal Discussions, and um, and on this episode, we're going to continue discussing about the Song of the Dark Crystal, which was the um, the book that was written by uh, J.M. Lee. This is the second book as part of the Dark Crystal Young Adult um, novel series, uh, which is all um, very very exciting. As we're going to get you know more stories down the track. So and, and I guess you know to start it all off, I'll do the introductions. I'm Philip Mitchell, and of course I host uh, Trial by Stone, the Dark Crystal podcast, and also the Dark Crystal. Um, minute um, that they're part of the Trial by Stone, the Dark Crystal Podcast Network, and for this episode, I got um, yes, you know, several guests um, to to help me to you know to do these uh, roundtable shows. Uh, so I really you know appreciate um, all your time um, on the show. So I'll just um, start off with um, with Albert I, um, from Interactive Artistry. Just want to say thank you so much for being on the show. Hey, hey, Phil, how you doing? And hello, everyone, all the listeners. I'm Albert from Interactive Artistry, as you just heard my awesome pal, um, Phil, say. And what we basically do over at Interactive Artistry is we are dedicated to showcasing and celebrating uh, the um, cultural, emotional, spiritual depth and dimensions that are possible within the interactive medium, which is also known as games. So we kind of look at those sort of, yeah, more nuanced, deeper aspects. So, But I feel great to be on this show. I've woken up very recently, so you may hear some, like, English stumbles of just like you know (laughs) um but i'm super glad i had my dark crystal just like spidey sense just wake me up just in time so i feel pretty jazzed to get started so thank you so much for having me on uh, philip yeah no worries and and also we got a nancy nancy gray uh and nancy gray who uh wrote um a story for the the dark crystal author quest and you also and also wrote um uh uh, several books that you've also written uh, with the Blood Rain uh, trilogy and, and many more. So I just want to say, Nancy, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me again. Glad to be here. And of course, we've got um, Dom Nardi, um, who's uh, with his, uh, has his um, blog uh, post at Nardi Views. Um, so I wanted to say, Dom, just thank you for being uh, back on the show. Oh, thank you. My pleasure. Um, and yeah, so I guess we, we might as well just, um, yeah, get into our discussion. Um, uh, well, we're going to see how we go as, as always. I know in, um, in our last chat, we only got through, you know, chapters one to five and I think that was, you know, uh, like a, had a great time or like one, one to four, I should say, um, I had such a great time chatting about Dark Crystal, sort of reintroducing the show. And so we'll, we'll definitely see how we go, um, you know, we, with this round of, um, discussions. So, I think, you know, without further ado, I guess let's um, get started with these uh, the discussions on Song of the Dark Crystal. 
And so we're up to chapter five um, of uh, Song of the Dark Crystal. Uh, so our characters have sort of arrived at uh, Ryan's home and um, and and Ryan's uh, mother, uh, Shoni, is obviously there, you know, cooking dinner and, and, um, and her brother, um, or I mean Ryan's brother, um, Tim Try is there as well. And I, I just I had a little side note um, with this because I remember when I interviewed um, J.M. Lee uh, quite a while ago and I, was, I speculated on the meaning behind the name Team Try, if Team Try actually meant, you know, Tim 3, but then you switch 3, that makes an E if it means time. <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. it was one of those things where I think I was like trying to like break down the sort of, you know, the <laughs> meaning the behind it. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it, at the end, I think he he named it Tim Try. Well, because I think he's um, a relative of his uh, was called Tim. So he's just like, oh, just, just. Put, uh-huh. to put that in <laughs> put the tim in yeah. and, and i just look too deeply into the the meaning of the name nah man um, yeah. <laughs> never never this is something at interactive artistry we we love doing that like it's always worthwhile to look at even potential nomenclature like symbology or, or etymology because just the process of doing that makes it just this richer from from a perspective and just exploring that angle is like worthwhile unto itself um so even if like the author himself is like nah wasn't thinking that you don't have to feel bad like <laughs> i think it's a really cool thing to yeah <laughs> it it's it's kind of awesome when that happens because it's um sometimes symbology and things like that just kind of come out in the work even if it's not necessarily intended so you know there was nothing wrong with trying to uh, make that assumption because for all you know he did it on purpose and even if mm. he didn't you can kind of get that you know from yeah. the way it's uh Done. Yeah, and I, I vaguely remember. I think um, at some Dark Crystal uh, panel, I think that happened at San Diego Comic Con last year when he was promoting the books, and I think he mentioned about how um, you know some of the readers were sort of you know had that that it felt you know had some kind of you know environmental message you know within um, Shadows of the Dark Crystal that yeah he, you know didn't didn't really uh, you know occur to him about that i was like oh you know oh, that's actually kind of cool um you know to think of mm-hmm. you know these extra yeah. layers that we readers sort of you know delve deep into um so mm-hmm. which is yeah you know it, it, it's kind of cool and just you know fun for us to sort of <laughs> dissect these things down yeah dude. Um, yeah hmm. I, I, I definitely have my whole, my as I've made my way through the book, I definitely have my fair share of those moments. And uh, there's a little thing I'll tease the listeners with. I have some thoughts about the name Augra itself. So ooh, ooh, yeah. let's <laughs> talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. And um, and I guess what was interesting um, in this chapter, we sort of got a confirmation that the events that occurred in Shadows of the Dark Crystal probably took about, I don't know, maybe like two to three days Um in um you know in in the previous book um you know I'm, I'm a bit of a timeline sort of junkie like i mean i like to know like how many days and how much time takes place between certain things um that's perfect for yeah, me because i'm yeah. literally i'm making that exact timeline right now for phil and for everyone yeah <laughs> uh, and it's a huge task i just realized i'm like uh but i think it'll be fine yeah and, and and so of course you know in, in this chapter Ryan you know he just seems to be a bit of a pain at this point of time um so he just wants to be left alone um when you know it was like asking him to do some chore and you know Ryan's like yeah hey, I don't want anything to do about it um which I guess you know the fact that sort of 
everyone's trying to find him. He wants to sort of, you know, be away and be left alone, I guess, you know, which is, I guess, is a, a little bit understandable, I guess. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I guess I saw Ryan as also suffering from uh, a, a, like a PTSD. I mean, he, he's gone through a lot. Um, and we, we find out a bit more, we find out some of the specifics later. So I won't spoil them right now, but like he is, he is somebody who has seen a lot of suffering. So I think the fact that he wants to be alone and is, has, seems to have difficulty making these quote unquote human connections. They're not humans, obviously, but you know, making those connections, I think is actually, actually really rang true to me. Yeah. He, this is going to sound bad, but he strikes me as kind of being almost like an emo character because, you know, Naya and Kylan have gone through a lot of things too, but he's not willing to focus on anything other than inwardly. You know, they're they're trying to help him and they're trying to encourage him because they've been through the same sort of thing and he just kind of is pushing everyone away. Now, he might be doing that to protect them at the same time, but it, but sometimes it just seems like he's, you know, kind of whining almost. Like, this is this horrible thing that happened to him, but at the same time, he wants to, he wants to get the word out, but he just seems... He's a little bit complex in that regard, because it's just one of those things where it seems sometimes he's just purposely not trying to open up, which irritated me but he's he's not a bad character i guess at the same time but i was just like come on these two have just been through it and saw it you think you want to talk to them a little bit more than just ignoring them and wishing that they weren't there <laughs> i uh, i only had to scroll up very briefly in the skype chat to see he's like i hate tavra <laughs> i was like no <laughs> i'm sure <laughs> i'm sure there's a there's a um, team tavra yeah that'll come up later yeah yeah uh, <laughs> I, I like Ryan better than I like Tavra. I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't like Tavra. Yeah. Hi oh. Uh, they don't will... me or anything. I just I've always hated that character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely get into that like later in, in the show. Um but yeah, but also I mean, you know, with Ryan sort of being a pain and sort of, you know, won't be left alone. Yeah, I mean yeah, so much that he's going through. Um I think it's also interesting to sort of, you know, Nay is sort of the one that's, you know, doing most of the talking and sort of even, you know, when she tries to get uh, Kylan into the conversation um, that Kylan sort of doesn't want to be in, I don't know, sort of doesn't have much to say, you know, feels where he's not very knowledgeable when being included in conversations. And, but yeah, yeah, it was, it, yeah, it's just a, just a little moment there. And, um, and of course, you know, the door knocks at, at their home, and um, and then we find out that it, that it's uh, Mordra uh, Farah, who's the um, the old you know the Mordra of um, the stone in the wood, and you know she comes, this is you know says hi, and and then we find out that she she was given a letter um, to to give to Kylan, and um, the letter was from you know Kylan's Mordra Mira, and you know just basically said the Skeksis are after him, that he's a traitor. And have ki- kidnapped uh, three Gelfling as collateral, and he must return. Yeah, it was sort of a very yeah devastating moment for for Kylan um, about about the news. But it was kind of cool that I mean that's the thing with um, Mira. Like she she could have just said you know could have t- took him straight to the Skeksis right now. But um, it's interesting that she 
decided to sort of actually give him a bit of a head start. It's like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not going to take you to Skeksis right now just because I found you, you know, I'm, I'm going to give you a choice. You, you either go back to your clan, you know, on your own will, or you just run away sort of thing, uh, you know, to at least give uh, Kylan a potential, you know, head start if you didn't want to mm-hmm. go back to his clan. So I thought that, that was sort of, you know, good in her character, I guess. But I guess if, if you know, if <laughs> uh, I can just imagine if um, if Farah saw um, Ryan, whether, you know, she would have just like taken them two straight away. It's like, yeah, you're both here. <laughs> I'm taking you both to the Skeksis, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was just one of those things. Um, and, and so, of course, uh, so Farah then leaves and then uh, Kylan, you know, w- with the letter, he, you know, just throws it straight into the fire straight away. Just like, yeah, you know just decide that, you know, that it was best to maybe just start late tonight instead of tomorrow, just to not waste any, any time at all. And, and, and this is sort of the, the interesting part where they're trying to work out what to do um, with spreading the word uh, with, with dream, you know, we say, Oh, why don't we do dream fasting? But then I think Kylan, he, you know, rejects the idea about it because it would, you know, probably take a quite a long time to, you know, try and get every Galfling sort of dream fasting as just trying to figure out a way to, you know, to get the whole message at the same time, which I actually just like wrote a note, just a couple, you know, probably like last night. It's like, I think they really needed like a Twitter, you know, they had their own sort of social media, <laughs> uh, the social well, media thrower, like, you know. <laughs> uh, it's one of those things that they could have actually gotten um, the madras um, of their particular clans to actually listen to them dream fast, it might have actually worked because then they could have actually told the people in the clan what was going on. But the, it seems like the madras are afraid of the Skeksis, so they're not, they wouldn't even be willing to get to that step because already she's saying, you know, pretty much you should turn yourself in. Instead of even, you know, if he went to her and said, look, let me dream fast with you. Let me show you what happened. I don't think they would have even listened. You know, they wouldn't have been willing. Possibly they don't even want to know at this point. Because it just seems like even though they want to protect their clan, the Skeksis, I think, frighten them. And they're still trying to think of them desperately as like the leaders of the land. And it's... um put them in a bit of a predicament because dream fasting and you can't do it to every single person if you could do it to the madra maybe but it's just not going to work yeah i think this seems really important for establishing that there are uh of gelfling collaborators that um you know the gelfling aren't all just good guys but at the same time these aren't these are also not gelfling who are are joining the skexies and and you know, and they're under pressure they're and that's that's part of the situation of a collaborator a collaborator is somebody who um you know it collaborates or um willingly or unwillingly with a foreign occupying power and i think that's what we're you know that's what we're seeing here and it's you know we're seeing uh madra farah as as a as a leader deciding to cooperate with the skexies and i guess i take her her reluctance to you know, or her decision to let uh, uh, Kyla and Naya get a head start is kind of you know, part of this 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 dynamic of being a collaborator, where you you might not fully support the Skex, she might not fully support Skeksis, but she also can't openly oppose them and has to 
uh, follow much of what they you know follow uh, their, you know follow their proclamations, follow their orders. Um, you know, and you, we just see this all throughout history. Like if you know look at look at all the no countries occupied by the Nazis during World War II, like France, uh, Norway. Um, they all had these puppet governments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I wanted to jump in here with some etymology notes. I think I'm going to be that guy on the show where I'll just jump in here and just sort of do some speculation um, on, on on nomenclature. So basically, Samodra Fara is the, it's a it's a basic it's taken a little twist, a sort of dark crystal twist on two uh, core kind of words. One is mother, so modra motor, uh, and then fara, which is fey, which is fairy. You know, um, so mother fairy essentially, and um, which also has the implication of mother is implies something. Someone who is like eldest and knowledgeable, and Faye implies someone who either is otherworldly or sees into otherworldly uh, paths into the future. Um, and so another meaning for um, uh, Farah also is Old Norse, which means going and passage, um, which uh, you know, as in the whole word that we have in English, which is far, you know, like a path that is far. So. Um, so some of her action again yeah like master negotiate with, with the skexies like you'd think initially just looking at that like how horrendous but like it just shows like true wisdom uh, that someone can see that far as like and have enough perspective to be like we this is something we need to do and and something perceived as pretty like distressing that you'd that you'd imagine it'd be quite terrifying to to do that like uh, someone as brave as her uh, i just figured i'd jump in there with that note yeah although i don't know if i'd say i mean i totally get i say so i, I I definitely appreciate what you're saying, although I don't know if I'd say she's a character we're supposed to view as wise, you know, and, and tradi traditionally collaborators, you know, collaborators have a bad name in history for, you know, for, for the most part, because it's, it's seen as a short-term compromise and granted it's, it's a very, you know, these are people put under incredibly difficult circumstances. Like very often it's collaborate or you die or you get thrown in prison, but still, um, there, there's, and I, I suspect that the story seems to be setting up, um, Kylan and Naya as the wise characters, the ones who are willing to, um, oppose the Skeksis and work towards that end. Um, but I think this is, it's important though, because I think, you know, I, I, I know Philip has talked with other people on this podcast about, you know, whether Jam Lee's books are a bit too lighthearted for the Dark Crystal, a bit too kitty. And I think scenes like this get at some of the darkness in this world. They get at, you know, they get at the fact that this isn't black or white, that the Gelfling aren't all good. And, um, and the, the scene, I think, there's a lot of paranoia in this scene. You know, there's that, you know, anybody could be watching you from anywhere. Um, you know, Kylan seems very worried about people watching. So yeah, I think that's something that makes this a bit of a darker world. And you have to wonder what the Madra is actually thinking, too. I mean, even though she probably wouldn't really want to turn him over to the Skeksis if he doesn't leave. And to her, it's like he's stirring up a rebellion. And, you know, for all she knows, since she hasn't dream fasted with him, maybe he even is doing this for a bad purpose. Because since she's the leader of the clan, that's kind of her job to protect everyone. And if she turns him over to the Skeksis, even though it's the bad course of action, it's the easy course of action. Because then she's cooperated with them, and then maybe they won't, if if he's right, maybe they won't penalize her clan. Which, you know, mm. it's kind of a dark thought in and of itself that, you know, if you're put in that position, what do you do? Do you just, you know, 
do you believe him? Do you dream fast with him? Or do you do take the quick and easy route that may basically kind of protects your clan at least for a little while? So there's a little more a little more deeply the way you look at this, it's like she's put in a pretty bad position herself, but at the same time, I think she I think deep down she knows the truth that the Skeksis are doing this. So th I think that's why she gives him the extra day. Because she doesn't really want to turn him in, but she has to look at least like she's cooperating or else more people will be taken. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I think that's kind of where we're coming from. And I didn't think it was a very um, lighthearted series at all. I mean, it's uh, especially the dream fasting scene. It was very dark, you know, having someone you love drained like that, not even dead, but well, maybe dead, but, you know, taking all of their memories and things of that nature, it's it's a pretty rough uh, thought. Mm -hmm. But that's just yeah. my thoughts on that in particular. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And um, and I, I guess, you know, move, you know, we're moving on, um, that, I mean, Shoni, uh, Ryan's mother, um, sort of then suggests, you know, that, you know, that, you know, they might as well, you know, go see Olgra, for answers of what to do with, you know, being able to spread the word with, with the Skeksis. And, and that, of course, you know, Ryan sort of doesn't like the idea that it feels like it's just be a waste of time that won't help and sort of describes her as a, I think, as a crazy nana, nana or senile nana. It was interesting, I think I did, did note that um, that Ryan does, well, know, knows of her, but I'm like, well, all Gelflings, all Gelflings would know of Olga anyways, um, but whether he's actually... Um, he's met, met her before which i was yeah curious about that um little passage there but then yeah then at the end he sort of you know pulls out the the blue vial of the valala and yeah like you know i think they just sort of decided to you know ryan wants to go to hurrah and kylan and naya they want to go see olgra which i guess you know sort of makes sense because olgra's sort of nearby so it's like oh you know why don't we just you know go quickly see her for a little bit and see if we can get any answers from her and then you know because of that and ryan sort of wants to go to hurrah and just wanted to so they just sort of decide to sort of split up going their separate paths which yeah i mean like which I, I find interesting yeah you know for ryan to sort of go on his own to hurrah you know whether he you know he should have had someone else to sort of go with you know go with him to hurrah so it's like the two of them together rather than him because it's like, well, who knows what's going to happen to Ryan if he's, you know, by himself. <laughs> he keeps pushing them away anyway, though. So it's almost like he would have, from the start, he was ready to go by himself. So even though, you know, it probably wasn't the wisest decision, I think it was the decision that he wanted. And, you know, Kylan and I have been by themselves from the start. So I think it almost uh, seemed the logical choice in the end, whether they should just split up or, you know, go along with Ryan, who they had just met, who didn't seem to even want them to be there. Colin is definitely um, gaining confidence, I've noticed in this book, and um, despite the fact he feels ill-equipped to do it, he's kind of taking the leadership role, because, you know, he's the one who suggests these things, and 
they're starting to actually listen to him and go along with it. Yeah, because, I mean, especially, like, as we get into with Chapter 6, it sort of describes about, you know, Kylan, you know, I mean, at this point in the story, that he's sort of very unsure of himself and sort of, you know, sort of telling himself in his in a way that he did bring value and, and that, you know, that, you know, that he would have some part to play in all this as we're, you know, going to see sort of later on in, in the story. And, and so, yeah, I mean, in Chapter 6, um, Mithra or Mithra, which was the other thing I sort of um, forgot to mention, I think, in our last discussion, that Mithra is actually the um, the world of the filings from Power of the Dark Crystal. Oh, gosh, damn. You know how we dived into all kinds of other speculation about the night? Oh, Mithra, Mithra. And it's like, oh, wait. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it, I love it. It was one of those things, yeah, where I think after when we did the recording and I'm like, you know, because it just sounds so familiar that Mithra in general, and then I realized that they used it in Power of the Dark Crystal. But not only that, but I think it was the original name of Othra itself as well um, during mm. sort of the early drafts, I think, of of the Dark Crystal. Um, so yeah, I just, I just thought I, I needed to bring that up. <laughs> um, Amazing. Um, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, this is, uh, the, another, your second or third edition of Albert's uh, etymology, little podling that arrives and just sort of interrupts the podcast and said, and knocks on the door. It's like, hello, excuse me. I have a note for you. So Mithra, Mith- Mith- Mithraism, also known as the Mithraic Mysteries, was a mystery religion centered around the god Mithras that was practiced in the Roman Empire from about the 1st to the 4th century CE. The religion was inspired by Persian worship of the god Mithra, though the Greek Mithras was linked to a new and distinctive imagery and the level of continuity between Persian and Greco-Roman practices debated. And needless to say, deities, awesome name, mythology, awesomeness. I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah and, and so, yeah, we're, we're back to song. I mean, that's why I was getting to the part with, with Mithra or Mithra. She says, you know, goodbye to her brother and, you know, wishes them all the luck. And, you know, they're walking through the woods and Kylan mentions that, you know, that's Kexi's account twice a year um, of the Galfling. And, of course, they sort of, you know, speculate that the counting because of the harvest. That yeah. whole thing is kind of creepy. Yeah. <laughs> When you think of it that way, it makes sense why they're all like, oh, let's um, change the subject because it's like he hit the nail on the head with that one. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they're doing it just for harvesting reasons so that we have oh, time dear. to, you know. Yeah. It's like, taken, he told himself. Not harvested, but is taken really any better? <laughs> no. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, you know, at this point in time, you know, Colin is trying to think of what to do to make Ryan, you know, feel better. Because, I mean, I, I guess, you know, as you mentioned, Dom, you know, sort of that, that PTSD and sort of, you know, I mean, especially with the death of Mira um, and being known sort of as a traitor among the Gulfling clans that, yeah, you know, that, that can really get to um, to people's heads. But, I mean, with Gulfling's heads in, 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 this, in this case, you know, that, that I just had just a big pact on a big impact on him to change into a, a different type of person. And then, yeah, you know, Kylan sort of, you know, uh, starts, you know, by, by singing, you know, this, this song about, about Jara Jen, which of course, you know, we know the character from the dark crystal creation myths. So, I mean, for any of the listeners that, you know, don't know, it's the, um, it was like a prequel graphic novel series, um, that sort of really delve into the world of dark crystal. He sort of got to know, 
um, how Olga came to be and how she met the Galflings for the first time and teaching and they're they're all teaching each other things and sort of the Earth kicks arrive with the great conjunctions and whatnot. So it's a, it's actually a great story and and in that story. Uh, I think in in the first volume that there were these um, little short stories in volume one, and one of which was about Jarajen and um, and I think it was the the horn um, of thunder, um, and that was a pretty cool, pretty cool story. So I kind of like that you know there's you know that he that with J M Lee like he's in, you know incorporating these things from different from the other stories that you know Dark Crystal you know that we've read and love, and so it was kind of cool to to see you know. With, with writing, you know, with the song of uh, of Jara Jen, so continue on, which was really cool. And I mean, again, like I just love the the illustration by Corey Godby, which I think we sort of, you know, you see the three characters, you see, um, you know, Kyle and Naya and, and Ryan on the bottom of the, you know, the image and on top, of, yeah, I would presume that with Jara Jen and um, Amiris sort of, you know, well, he's, you know, singing the song. And um, yeah, it's just one of those moments where I'm just like, oh, I wish there was an audio book <laughs> for um, Song of the Dark Crystal just to hear those songs or how it would. I just thought it was interesting that um, it's almost like Kylan is pulling on the mythos of the world he actually knows about. I was wondering if Amiris might have even been one of the uh, spirits um, of one of the great trees because she's got the green hair and the dark skin Ooh. and the blue eyes almost like they could have been blue fruit or nectar or something like that and and cole being the spirit of the desert it's sort of like the desert encroaching on the oasis almost oh this is you're, you're talking my language right here oh so good <laughs> i th- i just thought that kylan might have actually been you know because he's trying to make up the story to basically kind of spur ryan own but the same or ryan own but at the same time it's almost like since he's the one who's studied Jara Jin, I could almost see him making up the story based on what he knows of the landscape. And, mm. you know, the Gelfling are so connected with the spirits here. And, you know, Augur is even kind of like the avatar of the land. I almost imagined that Amaris was maybe a great tree that we haven't met in the series yet. Mm. And maybe that was what he was making up the story of Jarajan and meeting the spirit and falling in love with it. So I thought that was kind of interesting and I really liked that section. If they ever do a film adaptation of this, they need to use this in some way as a poster because it's just stunning, really beautiful art. Um, and what's great is again, narratively you see, you know, it's we're not at a great conjunction yet and that you can see a planet just cresting, you know, as in, you know, really just narratively expressing where we are at in the timeline, but in a really, like really beautifully presented way. And it also, um, like they, they totally look like hobbits as well in a really good way though with their like cloaks and stuff. So it's, it's kind of adorable and, and really cool. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and so I mean, and I, so I think from this song that basically it was about you know Jarajan and his first true love, Amiris, and Carl. Uh, there's this character called Cole, the Dark King of Sand, kidnaps Amiris, um, his true love, uh, tries to get her to give life to his garden, and it doesn't work, and he you know punishes her by burning her to the sun with sands, draining her eyes, and sort of Jarajan sort of arrives and you know tries to save the day, but it's too late and. Uh, Amiris uh, gives him a seed and um, disappears to Stardust. Puts the seed in the sand. It doesn't work. And but then all of a sudden, you know, 
I mean, it doesn't work straight away, but then it sort of does over time and grows as a tree. Uh, as you mentioned, yeah, Nancy about, yeah, you know, her, you know, being a, you know, a tree and, and all that. So, um, and I love that quote from Naya about the, the message, I guess, or the lesson, I guess, of that song that we will always face hard times, but it's important to remember that our sadness can often be what becomes our strength. There's no weakness in sorrow or grief, which, yeah, yeah. I kind of liked, yeah. Um, yeah, a bit of I mean, lesson, it's, yeah. A, it's a natural thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally, yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, that you know, then they finally arrive um, at, at the river and Ryan says his goodbyes as he, you know, decides to go out alone to uh, to hurrah. Can I just say, I also feel like there's a lot of comparison between Naya and Rian and um, it seems like the big difference between her and him at this point is she accepts Kylan and it's like he doesn't really... He he doesn't seem to actually accept him in the end, you know. Because if he had actually, even though it, this this story did move him, and it was clear that it moved him, and all yeah. that sort of thing, he still went on his way in the end, you know. And Naya's still stuck with Kylan, and I thought that was kind of significant because showing mm. how close mm. they've actually become. Mm. Mm. Hey, Philip, you were saying if you wanted a, an audiobook, I can give my best reading of this entire thing if you want, you know. <laughs> I don't. I don't mind. Yeah, the many songs, the many songs of our lightning born hero. I'm. I'm good to take that. I can even record it later, and you can insert it if you want. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, it's so beautifully done. There's so many passages that, like, you know, we've all read Tolkien. We know that he's had. He has these um, uh, beautiful passages of of storytelling songs that, like, after which, like, the characters are just like, whoa, like they've just experienced something, not just some like little, some little, uh, um, you know. Uh, whatever like tiny little song it's it's really beautiful yeah yeah of course yeah i mean we've talked that yeah he always you know has um, a lot of songs within um you know with a bit in the hobbit and and more so with uh the lord of the rings um which is pretty cool i mean actually just makes me think about age of resistance whether we're actually going to get any any sort of any songs um you know in that show oh we have to (laughs) we have to yeah that that uh, yeah i'd say yeah. i'd say the music is almost as important to henson as the puppetry mm. you know i'm yeah. and, and I look at every, every everything henson has done fraggles the muppets and there's always there's always song there's always music and yeah. for henson you know my understanding for henson is that that was you know that was music was an important part of expressing the human condition you know sadness joy yeah um yeah i mean i mean in many ways even though we sort of live a very kind of defined life where things is like life death everything's very clear um we're also very kind of in terms of like our hearts and our emotions we're extremely abstract and extremely emotional and so with music there's something that yeah pushes through all barriers and 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 um allows people from different cultures to pick up on that and i think with the whole joseph joseph campbellian um, aspects both of star wars and um the dark crystal that ties in because you're looking at things that um yeah they're not held back by particular like lines of nationality or lines of like cultural kind of tradition all these sort of themes are shared between they they really do 
get to, to like yeah as you said the core of what it means to be human sort of thing and um and i i see that common thread yeah between the two and um trevor jones uh, it's it's just as memorable to me as um uh, as as john williams and i think both um uh, jim henson and uh, george lucas had this sense that look it's 50 percent of the story when you're especially a visual medium uh, it's half it's like that's half of the significance it's not an afterthought you need to put just as much um focus and, and narrative intention uh, behind where you place the music what kind of music and um and i think yeah i want to just wanted to just back up your point there about how, how prominent and how powerful uh, music is uh it, both in the yeah exactly yeah that's it there this might be a tangent and you know feel free to take me you know, direct me back towards the book but like i just it just kind of hit me that dark crystal is to my knowledge one of the few major henson uh films or tv shows that doesn't really have any significant songs or no no, no sung nothing's nothing is sung no lyrics yes um, yeah you know mm. labyrinth certainly does muppets fraggles oh can i just interject just oh, yeah. a minute yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, this is totally off topic but well not totally labyrinth do you know the original person that they were going to have do um the goblin king was michael jackson Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's, can you uh, imagine how different that would have made the whole dynamic of that movie? <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm not saying it's bad. It's just it's just I almost want to go into an alternate timeline just to see what that would have been about. Yeah, <laughs> just, no. Listen, 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 Sarah. Listen, you you said you wanted to stay in this world. Eh, ah, uh, I, I, I said I, I thought you wanted to uh, stay with us and the goblins. <laughs> but, in the Dark Crystal, they do have one song, and it's just the song that, um, oh God, I'm, I'm oh, that, that, going. Oh, the Kira sings, or she it, sort of hums. Yeah, Kira, yeah. thank you. Yeah, yeah. where she's in the yeah. uh, boat. And it's, there are no lyrics, but it's kind of this rolling kind of just, you know, gentle song. And it's the one time in the movie where it's like, there's not, much going on and they're just it's i don't know it's it's not really spiritual per se but it just feels like it's almost it does almost feel like she's kind of just rolling along with the river singing along with the river and you know i feel like yeah. Yeah, girl music is a big um part of this yeah yeah I th- I we get a lot of that in the um in the um creation myths too Mm-hmm. I think all, all I wanted to extra add and append to uh, to what I was saying before and backing up the point is that um, so as you as we were saying is like yeah there's this it's just a shift that like the, the the presence of music is equal it's just the shift in the kind of music so instead of characters singing it's all of that musical investment and energy and um, and focus and, and um, priority was was infused into what Trevor Jones did and um, it, to this day it remind it, it, I mean that that new vinyl release guys I mean come on it's oof. We're talking some timeless music here for sure. So there you go. All good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, just the music's incredible. And, and uh, yeah, I just really hope that, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I would love to hear some songs in Age of Resistance, even if we only got one song, you know, in one of the episodes. I think, I think I'd think i be um, pretty satisfied with that. And, of course, you know, we're still, you know, waiting to hear, you know, who, who's going to do the music of the show as well. And, uh, I mean, of course, I mean, I would love to see Trevor Jones coming back. Um, but you know, haven't heard much, so we'll just sort of have to wait and see. 
um, what happens Imagine with that, that intro yeah. music though for Age of Age of Resistance is just like you know how it's going to be all like a True Detective style no I'm kidding yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, but anyway go ahead Phil yeah of course uh, so uh, yeah so back with yeah with Song you know um, they, they arrive at the river and um, Ryan says his goodbyes and, and so it gives them directions to, to Augur and High Hill um, and warns uh, Kylan and Naya about the finger vines um, which I'm presuming that they're the the finger the, they're the names of the finger of the vines that um the Jen got trapped uh from the film uh, presumably so that was kind of cool to sort of you know yeah yeah just when the name sort of the finger vines sort of popped I'm like ah oh, that must be the ones that the Jen got trapped into and of course you know Naya complimented Kylan about that song uh the story thanking him and then yeah I mean that's when we sort of got the reveal that he sort of made the whole story up himself and. Yeah, Nao was very, very impressed by that with that song. So I guess a great example that, yeah, Collins is, you know, he is a pretty great uh, song teller and, um, you know, he'll be able to tell many great stories, you know, with that. So, yeah, so I guess, you know, we're up to uh, chapter seven, uh, which I, I, which is, it's actually a pretty short chapter, um, uh, you know, putting it in my, in my notes. But I mean, what happens is, you know, they, they follow a scent to, you know, to some fruit and, um, and, and then all of a sudden they got attacked by, by a plant of some kind. And, and then they're starting to hear, you know, so a voices of a feminine voice is heard and, and comes out to, to help Naya and Kylan save the day. And this is sort of the big reveal, um, uh, in, in chapter seven that it was revealed that, you know, uh, that it was Tavra. Um, that she's alive because I mean this was a character that you know I, I know Nancy I think we probably talked about it in in Shadows of the Dark Crystal about you know whether she's you know dead dead or if she's you know she'll be alive in the next story and all that kind of stuff so um, he he did fool me I, I thought that she was dead dead in the last story um something I do want to mention about the plant um did anyone else feel like it had like an almost spider-like image? Because spiders do come into play later in the book, and oh, it yeah, just seemed in a to me <laughs> it had like you know the multiple eyes, and it's kind of skittered away and everything like that. And I just thought that was interesting. Mm. Well, uh, Henson has employed like, and and just like JM as well, employed like foreshadowing really effectively. Um, but yeah, go ahead. It reminded me of the story of Geyer in the creation myths mm. um, about that fish with the lure on it because the fruit was the lure in this case. And if it hadn't been for Tavra showing up at that time, you know, they were totally kind of lured into its grasp. And um, something similar, it wasn't a, an appearance of a character, but something similar happened with Geyer that he was able to finally get over the hallucinations and get away before the creature devoured him. So I thought that was kind of a, maybe it might've been the kind of a throwback to that because um, it's a foreshadowing for this particular book, but I felt like I just got that image from this particular, from the creation myth from this particular scene. Which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, and I, I felt that too. I know what you mean that that uh, yeah, that uh, it reminded me too of a uh, what was it? Uh, the anglerfish, the deep sea creature that has a little light on that little bioluminescence light that it dangles in front of its mouth and hopes that fish swim too close and um, 
Yeah, so that definitely. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of an interesting concept too, just in terms of the type of life that you'd get. Like it, it just that you'd have something evolve. To you know, it makes sense. Like you'd have something evolve that'd be very very appealing, and then it would it'd trap prey. And um, yeah, and so yeah, I mean yeah, the, so that was just such a big you know for me it was a bit of a surprise for her to to be back and also you know so reveal that Tavra is also with someone who came out of the woods and um and Naya knows who it is you know straight away um you know that that it's actually uh, her brother Gurjan who also you know is alive um because I mean last time we saw Gurjan uh he was sort of captured by um uh Skekmal at the end of um of uh Shadows of the Dark Crystal so yeah it's kind of a you know sort of the end of chapter seven was sort of, you know, and sort of with the start of chapter eight becomes a reunion of sorts, um, you know, with, with the twins, you know, twin brother and twin sister, you know, that they're, they're now back and, um, you know, so is Tavra and yeah, yeah. So, uh, sort of, you know, it was sort of very exciting, um, uh, for everyone in that part. Yeah. When I first saw this, my very, I, I'll be honest, my very first reaction when I saw Tavra coming back was, uh, Oh, I'm a bit worried that JM Lee has jumped the shark and that I thought she was dead in the first book. And I was worried that this was going to be a sign that, Oh, the, the book is going to be very lighthearted and geared towards kids and nobody really dies and there are no consequences. So I'll be honest, my first reaction was, was less Gandalf the white coming back, you know, after defeat, fighting with the, ba- the Balrog and more, you know, this, this seems very under crystal lake, but, um, that very quickly shifted to, um, um, this seems like it's a bit more of a deliberate move and I don't something like my spidey sense started tingling for some reason. You know, like, I don't know if like if you're Spider-Man fans, but like, you know, like something seemed off and I think that, and I don't know, you know, I haven't, I, like, I don't know what happens in the rest of the book to say definitively if that sense is confirmed. But one thing that kind of struck me is that, you know, at least the way that I read the scene is Tavra's coming back and she's in a rush. Oh, no time to explain what happened. You know, or and it, it's like, and that, that, that seemed a bit odd to me. And I don't know, I don't know, I, I don't want to speculate too far as to what might happen later, but like, I, I'm, I'm, I was, I, I'm more willing to let this play out and not just kind of assume that this is like a happily ever after. Mm. I just, uh, I, I didn't want to see her again. <laughs> I don't know why. I just really had a dislike of that character in the first book. <laughs> so there's just scenes in this particular chapter, like when she says something like, you really are made of clay, aren't you? She just, it's like, oh, so you're a racist too. I really don't like Because <laughs> like that's a, a slang for his, you know, his for her people and it's just like oh god you're just so annoying even in this at the end of the first book it did seem like she kind of was redeemed because maybe she was pushing people away to try and you know help them but in this book when I first saw her I was just like 
no, that that's just the way you really are. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, that's the thing. There's like there's enough character continuity with the with her from the previous book, where it's not like oh, like this is a totally different character who is possessed. But on the other hand, there were hints in the previous book that she was starting to mellow or at least drop her guard. And it seems like her guard is raised up. So I'm still kind of at the phase where I'm not sure if that's, if that is a, 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 a sudden change in the character that should make me more suspicious. Or if it's just the fact that she has gone through this trauma of being captured by the Skeksis and whatever happened with her escape, like maybe it's just a, a you know, that's, you know, she's not in a very happy place right now. So maybe that's why. Yeah, maybe like putting up barriers type thing because she just, I mean, I, I had the same feeling. Like, I was like, well, maybe she's putting up her barriers again because she's been through a lot of trauma and all these horrible things have happened. And maybe that's why she seems like her usual arrogant self that was at, like, the beginning of the first, you know, book when you first are introduced to this character. But, um, yeah, that... Um, it's kind of their, her attitude towards them just seems cold again. And um, it was one of those things that made me still not like her very much as a character because she just frustrated me. But we also see Kylan, when he sees her, he's like totally infatu infatuated by her beauty and everything. And I'm like, oh, no, no, not the start of a, this love triangle between Tavra and Naya, because he and I have gotten closer emotionally, but Tavra's this, you know, something about the Silverlings. They're beautiful and they're, you know, graceful no matter what they do, but she just has this horrible attitude. So, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're pretty much like the Lothlorians of, um, you know, the uh... Of the dark yeah, sort of throughout. that's very yeah. much the vibe that I got as well. Definitely. Yeah, and so I think we'll wrap up with this discussion of uh, Song of the Dark Crystal. Um, as always, you know, we always have a great time uh, chatting about all things uh, Dark Crystal, especially with Song of the Dark Crystal. And as you know, we got so many more stories to, uh, any, well, many more chapters to go with. You know, discussing with Song of the Dark Crystal. So I just want to say, um, I'll just go through each and every one of you. So um, Alba, just want to say thank you so much for being on the show. And um, and just want to know how people can find more about yourself and, and all your shows with um, Interactive Artistry. Certainly. So um, so Interactive Artistry, you can find us probably the easiest at youtube.com forward slash Interactive Artistry. We're also on iTunes. We have Fumito Ueda podcast, the guy who wrote and directed and created Eco, Shadow of the Colossus, and The Last Guardian. We have a Death Stranding podcast by Hideo Kojima. Um, a God of War podcast, that game's coming out in about 20 days, so it's beautiful new sort of uh, Norse mythology setting. Very fascinating. Every episode we talk about Norse lore on that one there. Um, we have the main show, uh, which is Interactive Artistry, where I had the awesome, it's this maybe podcast you may have heard of. His name's Philip Mitchell, who like nailed it on the Dark Crystal um, RPG open world RPG episode. It was amazing. And and then lastly, we've just recently... Yeah, dude, you're the man. <laughs> um, and uh, then we have the uh, the Shadow Dome, which is a Pacific Rim podcast as well. So, um, yeah, so come on over. And what we all... The, the common thread that unites them all is that we really... Like, we go long form, two, three-hour kind of long uh, episodes where we really dig deep into, like, symbolism... 
uh, sort of cu cultural um, references in, in in games like um, so elements of uh, that are just yeah en enhance the psychological emotional intellectual content of the story and the narrative and we sort of yeah dive into the medium in from that kind of particular angle so yeah man and um, so that's the main thing but otherwise like everything I've said you can just like literally google it and you can just find it so um, I'm not going to go through every single URL yeah <laughs> so, so yeah. interactive artistry you'll, yeah. you'll find and, us and we'll put all those in the show notes um, so thank you oh, thanks, and, and also um, Dom Nardi just want to say thank you for being on the show and how can people find find uh, find you online more about your work that you do oh thank you so I um um, as Philip said before, I blog occasionally at um, Nardi Views, and um, I'm looking to reread all of Frank Herbert's Dune novels pretty yeah, soon. Yeah, me also, and Dom's, uh, we're going mm -hmm. to start a freaking uh, Dune podcast. I'm holding you to it, dude. Yes, definitely should, <laughs> definitely should. Um, also, I do, um, uh, I have Twitter as well, so if you want to follow me there. Nice. Excellent. Amazing. So good. Yeah. And, and Nancy Gray, just want to say thank you again for being on the show. And um, how can people find uh, find more about your work? Um, well, I have a website that's nancygray.net, a blog address that is nancygray.blogspot.com, and my Facebook is uh, writer Nancy Gray. Those are usually the best ways to contact me. Just finished a YA fantasy, high fantasy kind of series, Blood Rain series, um, so please be on the lookout for that. Blood Rain, Blood uh, Moon, and Blood God. And um, working on a new series, the Spine Chillers series, which is yeah. basically kind of like a Goosebumps style book um, where it features the first five books feature the investigators who basically what happened to them that makes them interested in the supernatural. And... Um, Basically, that we're looking at publishing the first one sometime in September. So hopefully, all of that will uh, will come around around that time. I'll keep you posted. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Nancy. Yeah, yeah. You've already taken too long, Delfling. Hurry! At last, the crystal calls. It is time. Time to return to the castle. The crystal calls. If you'd like to contact the show, you can do so at darkcrystalpodcast at gmail.com. To find us on Facebook, you can do so at facebook.com forward slash darkcrystalpodcast. We're also on Instagram at instagram.com forward slash dark crystal podcast you can tweet at us at dark crystal pod also if you get a chance to review the show whether on itunes or facebook that'd be fantastic as well as that'll boost the rankings thank you all so much and come back next month for more the gathering songs Listen to the only Blade Runner podcast in existence.
From in-depth discussions about characters to interviews with actors and filmmakers involved in the process, Shoulder of Orion, the Blade Runner podcast, covers a multitude of topics spanning both Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049.